racist language, negativity, COVID, vaccines, and who is Eileen Gu? All of that and more on today's edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. Welcome to episode number 174 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com online. I'm your host, Darren O'Neill. A whole lot of stuff going on again this week, and so much of it is negative. Elon Musk posed the question on Twitter this week, and I think he has a really good point, which is why is all of the media More or less. I mean, I know there are exceptions, but overall, the mainstream media is a very negative based machine. The question becomes is it because the negativity sells? Is it because it's an ideology that is pushing these newscasts, if you can actually call them that anymore? What is the reason behind that? I'm paraphrasing. But Musk basically said that there are good things that go on in the world as well, maybe even a majority of good things. But what we get from the news coverage is so negative that it is having a very detrimental effect on anybody that pays attention to the mainstream news, which I guess on the bright side of that, as we've talked about, There's a lot less people watching the mainstream news today than there were even one year ago. It's been a huge drop, 50% or so on average, I think, for the CNNs and the MSNBCs of the world. And that's probably a good thing that people are paying less attention to it. And a lot of that may be because of the fact that there is so much negative news covered all of the time and very little from the positive side. And I don't know which it is, whether it is completely ideology. I do believe that outlets like CNN were nothing but anti-Trump and are still kind of nothing but anti-Trump. Maybe that'll change now. New ownership, Zucker out. But that has been their marching orders. And this is the problem when A vast majority of the news media is controlled by large corporations because large corporations have agendas. They have bias and they have morning marching orders. If you work for CNN, if you work for any of these news organizations, I'm betting every morning, here's what we want you to talk about. Here's what you're going to say. Here's the narrative that you're going to push. And there are stories that are told because they push the narrative. And there are stories that are completely ignored because either they don't push the narrative or heaven forbid, they go against the narrative. I think that is one of the reasons, as I believe Elon Musk also said, one of the reasons why podcasting has become such a popular format for people to get news 
because it is not bogged down by 100% of the negativity and the bias and all of the bad stuff that is coming along with the mainstream media sources. Will the mainstream media sources change? Can they even change at this point? I don't know. And it's a battle. There is zero question in my mind that it's a battle. There's a reason why Joe Rogan is being attacked at the level that he is being attacked. I could say pretty much everything that Joe Rogan has said, nobody's going to bat an eye. Nobody's going to pay attention to it because I don't have the audience of millions and millions of people. Once you get to the level that Joe Rogan has gotten to, then you've got a target on your back. If you dare say something against the mainstream narrative, the people on the left who are the ones in control of the mainstream narrative at this point in history will do whatever they can to cancel you, to hurt you. We see this going on with Spotify and Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan is kowtowing. He is apologizing, going back on things he said a decade ago. Rather than, as Donald Trump said, Joe, stop apologizing, stand up for free speech, stand up for the right to have the conversations. Don't let people silence the conversations. And I think all of this N-word stuff is not because people are offended by the word. It's because they want to shut down the voices that are in particularly Joe Rogan, in this case, saying things that they don't like. Because I rarely, if ever, see anybody complaining about people using that kind of language when it comes to song lyrics and stuff like that. It was interesting to me that Rogan allegedly, by his own accord, decided to pull a bunch of his own episodes from Spotify for the use of language. But somebody has a list on Spotify that shows there is currently 727 songs or tracks because some of them are from people like comedians Richard Pryor that use that particular word in the title and those still exist you go over to YouTube you can still find the Lenny Bruce bit it's an interesting thing as far as what content is allowed and what's not and I tried to bring this up this week on the episode of Planet Rage that I do with my buddy Larry Blydner, and he came up with something that hit me as being absolutely true, which is, especially as white guys, anytime you talk about race, it's a no-win situation. And he's way smarter than I am, and I fully believe he is correct with that. The problem with that then becomes, because of that, then nobody ever talks about it, and it becomes a situation that starts dominoing and going in the other direction, which at this point in our history, I don't understand why we are where we are or if it's even a legitimate representation of where we are or is it just the world that is being shown to us again by the mainstream media? I live in a bubble, I guess. I don't see racism on a daily basis. I'm sure some people do. Where I see an issue is removing content. I mean, I don't really care about the Joe Rogan podcast, 
But we're seeing this in things like Mark Twain, the writings, you know, Huck Finn. You were seeing this in all sorts of things where history is being erased. And there's that old adage that those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. And I believe that is absolutely true. Some of the strongest bonds in the human experience come through going through hard times, growing, learning, and that is all thrown into the dustbin if you start going, well, well, no, this never happened, or no, no, this word never appeared in that book. Joe Rogan never said that word at all. I mean, I want the racists, if they're out there, to be in public saying racist stuff, because I think at that point, any thinking person can listen to them, look at them and go, wow, what a jerk. Those aren't the views that I believe in. Silencing is always the wrong thing. And the side that is on the side of silencing is usually the one that has more to hide than anything else. And I think that's true in most cases. Trying to silence the other side is just one small step into continuously censoring speech, making words bad, saying things you can and cannot say. And I want to know where it stops. I want to know how deep fakes come in at this point as well. As we've covered multiple times on the show, it's really easy at this point to make it sound like just about anybody has said something that they didn't. And this concept that one utterance of any magical word will get somebody's life turned upside down or them canceled should be on the mind of everybody and understand that the technology is going to make this a whole new battlefield for people to go after each other. And if you don't think that's going to happen, you're wrong. We're seeing it already with deep fakes. We're seeing the kind of stuff that happens where podcasters are getting swatted because people don't like them. It can get dangerous really really quickly. And there was a case of a Catholic high school teacher here in the Chicago area that was fired for using the N-word within a class that she was teaching on racism. It was national news, international, I'm guessing. And it was on my radar because it happened at the sister school of the high school that I went to. Jenny McCarthy's alma mater, Mother Macaulay High School. And it just brought up a few questions to me, and that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to ask questions because I'm a dumb podcaster, and I don't have any answers. But the teacher used the N-word in its entirety, as all the news says, rather than just saying using the N-word, but you can't say that because then people, they don't understand what that means. And the teacher compared that to the term Redskins, which, of course, had been the name of the Washington football team up until recently what's interesting to me was in the statement that the school released with its decision to terminate the teacher said that she quote wrongfully compared and quote egregiously miscommunicated to racial slurs now how are you wrongfully comparing 
the N-word with the R-word. And this was the saddest thing, watching this teacher do an interview with, I think it was WGN here in Chicago, maybe it was uh, Channel 7 ABC here in Chicago, where she's talking about the stuff and like, well, then I said the R-word for the R-word compared to the N-word. And I'm thinking, how do you teach in a school if your teachers are now handcuffed to where every word, there's just going to be a letter. Well, the N word, and then they did the R word, and then the Q word, and then the L word. Do you understand what I'm saying now, kids? R word, Q word, N word, four, Y, six, seven, two more. I don't know. It all starts getting very confusing when teachers are unable to teach because saying the wrong word, even in the context of a teaching situation, will get them fired. After 41 years, get them fired. So me being the dumb podcaster, I literally have two questions about this and how it should be handled. Say the teacher did say the N-word rather than using the word in its entirety. She was talking to a classroom of sophomores, which means what, about 14, 15 years old. What if one of those children didn't know what the N-word was and raised their hand and said, teacher, what do you mean the N-word? What is that? What is the teacher answer at that point? I want to know that. And I also want to know, because I know we do have some black people that listen to this show. If somebody says to you, hey, you N-word or hey, you, and then says the whole word, is there a difference? Because I don't see how there is a difference to those two things when you know the context, when you know the meaning, and I think the meaning is more important and the context is more important than anything else. I literally want to know if you're out there and can answer that question for me, I would love to have your opinion on that. The No Agenda program recently titled a show Hong Kong due to the truckers in Canada and the whole freedom thing going on up there. Good way to go, Canada. Hey. And somebody pointed out to him, it's like, well, honk, honk, no. That's uh, analogous. That is the same thing as saying Heil Hitler. Do you not realize that? And I want to know how far down the rabbit hole we have to start getting for things like, well, we have to replace this with this to say it in polite society. And if you replace this with this to say it in polite society, Well, one that could lead to a whole bunch of miscommunication because there's a lot of people who have no idea that Hong Kong might mean Heil Hitler, and they may say Hong Kong and not know that it might mean Heil Hitler, and then people might think that they know that it means it, and then they think that they're saying something that they're absolutely not, which means having an analog for some of these words just leads to way more problems. Doesn't it become a domino effect at some point if you say, hey, well, no, you can no longer use the word red. Well, then we'll just start saying chartreuse. Well, then you start, well, no, you can't say chartreuse either. And then they start saying crimson. And then you're like, no, you can't say crimson anymore either. And then they're like, well, we'll say carmines then. Where does it end? How does it end? Again, I'm just a dumb podcaster. If you know, feel free to reach out and let me know. Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at random thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. Also in the free speech, internet freedom vein. We have the United Kingdom once again trying to make people have to register and prove their identity to view adult content online. 
everything I said back in random thoughts number 30, just go back and listen to that again, because nothing has really changed in the realm of the technology or what can and cannot go wrong. This is just another push to do the same thing. And boy, time flies. I can't believe that was 140 some odd episodes ago. But I think it was a good episode and pointed out a lot of things. So check that out if you're interested in that. Rumble, speaking of the Joe Rogan stuff a moment ago, offers Rogan $100 million over four years if he wants to bring his podcast over to their platform rather than Spotify. And I bet you Joe wishes he could do that. I mean, I'm sure he could break his contract. Spotify maybe wishes he would, too, because they're going through so many problems. So many of these musicians who stood up for freedom and for free speech back in the 60s and 70s, pulling their music because the giant audio streaming service dares to let somebody on that has conversations with people that they don't like. It's just a weird world that we live in. And I don't understand how we're going in the wrong direction. Again, we live with the internet. This should be the most free time ever for information to move from one person to another. And maybe that's exactly the problem. That's exactly why there's so much money and so much effort being thrown into dividing people. Pointing back to the weather underground again, we have to divide the white and black. We have to divide the rich and poor. We have to divide the police and non-police. And it's all happening to what end? Maybe the Great Reset? Perhaps. I'm sure everybody's heard about the Great Reset. We've talked about it here. It is perhaps why all of this is going on in a time where things should be getting better. Race relations, I think, definitely should be getting better. The economic situation before uh, Joe came around uh, was doing a lot better for everybody involved. So I don't understand how we're getting here, except as Elon Musk said, negativity, negativity breeds a lot of this stuff, misinformation, which is a very interesting buzzword at this point, because what is misinformation? Who gets to decide COVID is a great hot button issue because as we have talked about recently, a lot of the things that were originally said to be misinformation have now turned out to absolutely be true. But a lot of people have blinders on. They only want to see things in a very small realm. They only want to see small bits and pieces of things. There are people who have been swearing up and down that the vaccines are causing heart issues, which is why people are dropping left and right, but won't believe that COVID itself is causing heart issues. Myocarditis, one of those. And a very sad story that came to light this week seems to show this, which is of a 10 year old girl, Teresa Sperry from Suffolk, Virginia, that passed away in September due to cardiac arrest, due to COVID, went from not being sick, being absolutely healthy, within five days, symptoms, and death. Not something that is normal, but something that I think people need to be aware of. Have the vaccines been shown 
to cause myocarditis in a small amount of people? Yes. So has COVID to a larger degree. In this case, a 10-year-old girl that was not vaccinated before everybody out there is like, oh, I bet she was vaccinated. No. So maybe now some of those people will at least start looking into this kind of stuff and realizing that the world is a much more complex place. As I've said before, I follow the data. I go by what can be proven. I don't try to get into a whole lot of the speculative stuff. And if I ever bring you stuff that is wrong and there's data to disprove that, feel free to reach out and let me know. But the COVID-19 stuff is a lot more complex than some people want to give it credit for. And it's absolutely heartbreaking that a family loses a 10-year-old daughter to a disease that for most people will not affect them in that kind of a serious manner. But it happens. What the percentage is on heart issues with people that get the vaccine as opposed to getting the virus, I don't know if that data will ever come out. If it's ability to get that out, might take years. Maybe it'll come out. Maybe it won't. I don't know. In another strange bit of COVID news, Johnson & Johnson has recently shifted production at the one plant they currently have going on in the world, and it is in the Netherlands. They have currently shifted away from making the COVID-19 vaccine and right now are producing a new experimental vaccine for a different virus. And this is throwing a lot of the conspiracy theory things out there. People asking, what does Johnson & Johnson know? Possibly they're just trying to get ahead of everybody else in coming up with something that will be for the next round of making a whole lot of money, which drug companies do. But this is allegedly an experimental vaccine that is being manufactured that will fight something called RSV, respiratory synictical virus. I'm sure I screwed up the pronunciation of that. This round of vaccines will be used in a clinical trial in older adults and wealthy countries. A source close to the matter says it is not expected to be available for several years, even if it's proven effective. RSV, it says in this article from the New York Post, causes mild cold-like symptoms and kills an estimated 14,000 older Americans each year. Johnson & Johnson is one of several companies trying to develop the first vaccine against it. And looking up RSV, it also seems to kill a decent amount of children under one year old, though I don't know if vaccinations are looking to be prepared for kids at birth or something like this. So maybe it is for older, but it's also a weird thing. 14,000 per year. A lot of people might not think that is enough to require a vaccination, but this is where we are in the medical world. Any little malady will be tried to be wiped off the face of the earth. Whether we're doing good things or bad things, again, it's going to take some time to find out. It's like that old adage of, you know, use your immune system. Otherwise, you're more likely to get sick. So go out, eat dirt, roll around, do things that will uh, 
test your immune system and make it stronger? That I don't know. I'm not a scientist, so do not take any medical advice from me. Do not take any scientific advice from me or any podcaster, really. Now, on to a story that I found to be fascinating on a few different levels. Olympic skier Eileen Gu Jiu. She is an 18-year-old freestyle skier slash model slash academic. They call her the Snow Princess in China, and she won the gold medal in the Big Air Freestyle Skiing event. Had no idea what the Big Air Freestyle Skiing event was. I watched a little video of it, and oh my God. Gosh, the stuff they're doing is absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Eileen won the gold medal based upon a score of her final run where she did a trick. And that's basically what this is. Different tricks you can do while you're midair while ski jumping. So in the olden days, you know, they just wanted to ski jump, see how far they could go, how high they could go. Now they're doing twists and turns in the air before they land. And it's absolutely amazing, really. And the stunt that she performed, which propelled her to the gold medal, four and a half rotations in the air, landing while going backwards and finishing off, skiing backwards down the hill. Absolutely amazing stuff. And Eileen had made some news. I have not been following the Olympics. This is truthfully the first olympic story that i've noticed and it was mainly the thing that caught my eye was victoria's secret model skier olympics i'm like oh victoria's secret model interesting let's see because victoria's secret has been going down a different path lately which mainly had obese women and transgender women that were modeling the clothes Eileen, very attractive and obviously in very good shape because she is an Olympic skier who just won gold, but she is a brand magnet. No question about it. She's called the Snow Princess, as I said, in China, and her mother was born in Beijing, but she was born in the United States and grew up in the Bay Area in California. So. After she was 15 or when she was 15, I guess that is when you have to decide where you're going with the Olympics. And even though she was born in America and grew up here, mainly, I mean, if you read the different news stories, it's kind of interesting on the data they get right and the data they don't. But that's the way the news is, that there were people that were upset that when she turned 15, she decided that she was going to go to Beijing for the Olympics as a Chinese competitor. She was going in to represent China rather than the United States. And she's taken a lot of heat for that. I watched a press conference with her briefly before doing the show. And she mentioned that while growing up, She spent about 25 to 30 percent of her year every year growing up in China. So she considered herself to be both an American and Chinese. She is fluent in Mandarin and English, 
And she said she's also culturally fluent in both countries. She can live in China without anybody feeling like, oh, you're an American or vice versa. And I find that to be a very interesting skill, which is going to propel her a long way as her career continues to move on, both as a skier and as a model. As a model right now, she's already clearing more than the article was from the UK news. And they said 12 million pounds, which means that's about 19, 20 million dollars last year, I believe. In endorsements, a lot of those from Chinese companies, because, of course, there's a big market in China. Some people were saying she was opportunistic on doing this and being haters about that. And I cannot go along with that. I think the fact that she spent time growing up in both countries, her mom was born in Beijing, the Olympics, especially being in Beijing. And I thought about it for a minute, and I don't have any problem with somebody that has a foot in both countries deciding to go and represent China. Some people are like, oh, well, China's so bad, and they commit all of these horrendous things. And I'm thinking, yeah, but do the people growing up in the United States now, and this girl's 18 years old, from the Bay Area, what do you think she got growing up in schools in these Bay Area when it comes to the United States of America? Do you think she was taught that America's good? No, we've been talking about that for how long here? That what all of our children are being fed now here in the United States was how bad this country is, how horrible and racist this country is. So why wouldn't this girl go, well, you know, I'll go over to China then. This is the problem with the society here in the United States teaching that this is a horrible country. It's such a horrible country, such a racist country, yet people from all over the world keep coming here. Usually if it's a horrible racist country, which there are some out there, China for one, Russia, there's countries where people die to get out of it. Cuba, great example. People die literally trying to cross the water to get from Cuba into the United States. Why is it because it's a worse country, horrible country? No. But I'm betting that Eileen Gu growing up was really indoctrinated with the fact that the United States is a horrible country. And perhaps that led to her reasoning to go and represent the country that her mother was born in. And maybe it had nothing to do with it. But I'm guessing there was some part of that. She is a very, very bright individual. Scored a 1580 on the SAT, which is a near-perfect score. She is headed to Stanford after the Olympics is over to start her collegiate career. As I said, fluent in Mandarin and English. I mean, right there, that's going to put you in a great position for anything that you want to do. She has 1.3 million fans on Weibo, Weibo, however you say it. It is the Chinese version of Twitter. And the companies that she has done commercials, endorsements, modeling for, 
include Louis Vuitton, Tiffany and Company, Gucci, Fendi, a lot of really big, really expensive brands. And it is alleged that she is charging around 2 million pounds per endorsement. So that's about 2.6, 2.7 million dollars per endorsement. So I think she's going to be okay. Beauty, brains, athletic ability. I know some of us would kill for any one of those. She's got all of those. It's going to be interesting to see where her career takes her. And I want to congratulate her on winning the gold and for making the decision to follow her heart. In the press conference, she talked about the fact that this should not be about dividing people, that the Olympics was about bringing people together to see the best that humanity has. Not national, although we know there's a big part of the national pride that goes into the Olympics, and I have no problem with that. I applaud that. But it is to see what the human person can do. And she is showing that you can do a lot of things, achieve a lot of things, excel in a lot of things, and not have to be pigeonholed as any one thing. So, congratulations to Eileen Gu. Thanks for bringing some positivity into an otherwise negative media landscape. I mean, we're trying to break that here too. Going to try to go a little more positive with stories. And we appreciate you listening to the show and giving us the opportunity to take some time with you each and every week. It is very much appreciated that you give us your time. And it's also very much appreciated when people come in to support the show monetarily. This is a value for value podcast, which means we put the shows out there. There's no paywall. You get to decide if you've gotten any value out of the show. And if the answer is yes, to put that into a number, go to randomthoughts.com, R-E-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com slash donate. Click that donate button. Use one of the QR codes or wallet addresses for crypto. Use the P.O. Box address to go the snail mail route. Or if you're on a podcasting 2.0 app right now, you can boost us, stream us Satoshis. If you don't know what any of that means, go to newpodcastapps.com and find out. This week, we have an executive producer to thank all the way from the land down under our buddy Graham Stanton coming in with $5. And it is very much appreciated. Hope all is well there. And as always, F cancer, my friend. I hope you all have a good week and can join us again next time for another edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 